the last few times that uh, people got up here to speak and use their PowerPoints, we've had clicker difficulties, and I've been petrified that that would happen to me. So I don't have a PowerPoint, but I got ready to print my sermon, and it wouldn't print. So I emailed it to my phone, and Helen Ann said, you have no battery. So I emailed it to her phone. So this could be a very interesting uh, study. Hopefully it will go well. Um, it did shake me up just a little bit, as you can tell. So bear with me here. So Acts, the 10th chapter, is what is under consideration tonight. You know, this is, uh, as Brent mentioned this morning, this is a very exciting book out of the New Testament. Um, actually, it's where we come in as Gentiles. Um, before, there was no hope for Gentiles. Uh, God's children were the Israelites. There were a few Gentiles that had become proselytes, um, but as a general rule, uh, Gentiles were not a part of God's family. I'm going to take a, a little bit different approach to this study in that I want to talk a little bit about uh, what's going to happen, and we'll read it, and then, then I'm going to make some, some comments on it. Um, Ephesians, the third chapter. Beginning at verse 1, it says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, to you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby ye, when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Here is a verse that to me is just amazing which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy prophets, apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So the scripture, beginning at, the, at uh, Genesis, goes through all the history of the scriptures. It's not known unto man until this point, it's been a secret. It's something that God has kept to himself. Is that not amazing? I don't know, of course, nor do you, the mind of God. We don't know how it works. He tells us that his ways are above our ways. Why would it have to be kept secret? That's something we can ask later. I don't know, but it is an amazing fact that now, at this point, it is revealed. And it's about the Gentiles. This was not new, of course, in God's plan. It wasn't new. He had just kept it quiet. But it had not been comprehended by man what God's intent was. In Genesis, the 22nd chapter, beginning at verse 17, it says that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. This was a discussion from God with Abraham in the very early time. And he said, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed by your seed. That's a prophecy of Christ. 
God already knew what was going to happen. He made the prophecy here, but people did not know what was going to take place. In Isaiah, the 55th chapter, in verse 1, it says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no bunny, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearkeneth, hearken diligently to me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that, that knew not thee shall run unto thee, because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord, while he may be found. Call ye upon him, while he is near. Isaiah prophesied that people who had not been gods would be gods. People that had not known God would run to him because of the mercy of the Lord. So it's not a surprise to God. It's in the plan all along, but it is a surprise to God's children. And there was some issues. And we're going to discover that as we read uh, in Acts 10. You know, God's plans and purposes always happen. What he plans, he makes end. And he makes it the way he wants to. We're witnessing in this chapter God's plans coming together. When Cornelius is visited by an angel and he decides to send people to talk to Peter and Peter just so happens to go on the housetop and has this vision about all these different creatures and it's going to pertain to the reason that Cornelius' guys are coming. How could that happen? People can read this and say, well, this is time and chance. Peter happened to be there. No, it, it's not time and chance. It's the purpose of God, and it's amazing to see how he works. It's perfect timing. For those of you who doubt that God acts in our lives, let me refer you to Philippians, the second chapter, and verse 12. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in our absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Folks, if we are children of God, we are his vessel, and he will use us. He will use you in his work to bringing other people to Christ. Don't doubt that he won't do it. There will be times that you may recognize it and say that couldn't have happened except by the hand of God. There will be times that it's subtle, and you won't have a clue, but other people can see. Don't ever doubt that God is not at work in your life. In Job, the 42nd chapter in verse 1, it said, Job answered to the Lord and said, I know thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. We don't understand God's ways, neither did the children of Israel, as will be evident in this chapter 
but God always makes his plan come through. Let's read the chapter in Acts 10, 10th chapter, beginning at verse 1. It says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when, an angel, when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, the birds of the air, and a voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he divided them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went, went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with one or go, go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came without objection, as soon as I was sent for, I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? 
So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded to you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him. He arose from the dead, after he arose from the dead, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. One thing that I've noticed about this story is it's repetitive. They repeat it. It gives a perspective of Cornelius. It gives a perspective of Peter. It gives a perspective of Cornelius again when he talks to Peter. And then in the next chapter, it's going to be repeated again when Peter returns to the brethren and tries tries to explain to them uh, why he went in unto Gentiles. There are a lot of things in the book of Acts that people misunderstand. It is the Acts of the Apostles. It it, uh, tells about the beginning of the church, how it began with the Jews and then went to the Gentiles. And, you know, when we think about even in the past in the Old Testament, they had scrolls. Of course, it didn't look like this, but they had material to read. At the beginning of the New Testament, there was not material written down what God wanted in the new dispensation. So God made a plan. He sent the Holy Spirit and he told them, in a few days, uh, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's right when he left. 
He left them, and then they waited. And what happened, I can't imagine being uh, in that situation to experience those things and to see them happen to other people. But this is the second time that it happened. The first time it happened unto the Jews, this time the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. I believe it was Brother Ian who talked here uh, a year or so ago about how this was different. You know, people misunderstand and think that the things that happen in Acts happen today. And they just don't. They don't. Their talk of spiritual gifts will fail. The scripture teaches us that when you, these people seen in part, they spoke what was given to them by the Holy Spirit, but they didn't have, even then, the complete picture. But this is the complete picture. You and I have it today. There is no need for these miraculous... Stay close. I was told I would be tackled if I walked away from this. Sorry about that. Please don't tackle me. <laughs> um, you was afraid I'd lose my spot, weren't you? It was, uni- it was a unique time. God did things then that he doesn't do now. Those folks weren't able to say... In Ephesians, the third chapter in verse 1, and read what happened. Now, what, what they had was Peter and the holy apostles and everyone whom the Holy Spirit had fell on, and they would stand and declare the word of God. That's what's written down for us. The things that happened, the acts of the apostles, is what's written down for us. These promises are not made to you and I that, that were made to them. We need to remember that because it makes a difference in how we perceive the Word of God. It makes a difference that we diligently seek out the truth and not be in error. We don't want to be on the wrong side of God. We have the opportunity today, at any time, night or day, to spend as much time as we want in the Word. It's something they didn't have then. We talk about the amazing power uh, that was going on at that time. And it was. It's truly amazing. To see images as cloven tongues light on people and them speak in unknown tongues to people of different languages and everybody understand it. Insomuch that they have to tell them these men are not drunk. And I always wondered why, didn't, why they didn't say you guys are the ones that may be drunk because you're hearing all these different languages. But as amazing as that is, this is more amazing. The word in print that you have access to any time of the day, and we can no longer use the excuse that someone wasn't there to tell us because we've got it. So as amazing as it was, this is better. So understanding that, I I don't want to delve a long time in into those spiritual gifts and and what happened and why. But what I do want to ask the question is why Peter and why Cornelius? If you look back into Acts the ninth chapter at the conversion of Saul, Saul tells Ananias when he says, Lord, I don't want to go. Don't send me to this murderer. He said, I've chosen him. He is a vessel unto me 
to preach Christ to the Jews and to the Gentiles. So if, if Saul was the chosen vessel to preach to the Gentiles, why, why is this happening with Peter? Why Cornelius? You know, God has never forced anyone to be what they don't want to be. The scripture teaches us that Cornelius was a devout man, that he prayed always to God, and that he gave alms. This sounds to me like maybe someone who loves the Lord thy God with all their heart, with all thy soul, and all their mind, and they love their neighbors self. Does it not? Does Cornelius, even though he was a Gentile, fit the bill? He was a good man. He was so good, in fact, and it's so important for you to understand that that way in the opening of the chapter, but his servants describe him that way. He chose him because he said, he is a man after my own heart. Does that mean David was perfect? No. It doesn't. It, I, at one time, I thought that's what it was, and then you read all the things that David got itself into, and even murder after God's heart. Was Peter a man after God's own heart? Peter was passionate. He was off the cuff. He was spontaneous, sometimes to his own demise. But I think he had the same characteristics that David had. What about Cornelius? We already know that for God, he was devout, he prayed always, and he gave what he had to other people. It's important to God because when God sent the angel to Cornelius, he said, your, your alms or your giving to people in need have come up as a memorial before God. Do you think God sees when we give of ourselves to others? Do you think that he sees us when we pass the person on the street that has the sign that says, I need help? Now, it's really, really easy for us to say, that person's on drugs, and if I give him money, he's going to go buy more, so I would be helping him sin, so I need to keep my money. Or he's an alcoholic, or he has a dog. He's asking for food, and he has a dog. I'm not going to give him anything. Is this our heart? Really? I'm guilty, and I've been among the drug addicts. I've helped the homeless who are on drugs. But what does God tell us about? the poor you have with you always. You know, when descriptions are given about people in need in, in the Word, it never describes their lifestyle. You ever thought of that? It never said that this man was poor because he gambled all of his money away, or it didn't say that he was poor because somebody else took his money it doesn't even, it doesn't say. It just says that there were beggars, there were poor, 
There were people that were in need. And you can say, yeah, well, they were at the temple. Where do you think the most giving people would be if you were a beggar and needed money? Would you go hang out with the rest of the broke people? Or would you go hang out where you felt like people had the heart to give? And I'm sorry, I feel like I'm going down a rabbit trail. But this is something that struck me because this is Satan coming out and saying, don't do this. Well, what does God say to do? What did Cornelius do? He gave to people who needed the money. You know, folks, if they take that money and go do the worst thing in the world, that's between them and God. But what is between you and me and God is whether we neglected to help someone. You know, it's not going to cost us our life savings to hand somebody five bucks when we see them on the street. Now, I'm going to tell you there are scammers out there. There are. I had a lady one time at a quick trip in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at 6 o'clock in the morning, tell me that her husband was in the hospital in Bartlesville, her car needed oil for her to get there, so I gave her five bucks, and you know what? The next week, I saw her, and this time it was her mother, and she was in the hospital in a different place, and she needed oil for her car, so I get it. You know what? At that point, you can make the decision that this person probably is out for themselves if that is a good enough reason. So I'm talking about our heart tonight, and I know it doesn't fit with the Gentiles being called in. That is a miraculous, beautiful thing. But what applies to us are the hearts of the people that were involved in this story. I believe that Peter and Cornelius have a heart after God. They love him. They seek him. They will confess him. Did you know that living under the old law, you could perform every act that was required of you and never look at your heart? Did you ever think about that? Yeah, the law was love your neighbors yourself. But you could give your neighbor something. You could bring your best of the flock and of your herd and give it to the priest to offer for sacrifice. You could perform the feast of the unleavened bread. You could perform the Passover. You could do every bit of that and still have a heart that didn't seek God. And I think we see that's what happened in the children of Israel. But these two were humble because they were willing to confess Christ. The other thing is, they changed their mind when they saw the truth. As you and I grow as Christians, do you think that you're going to have the same uh, thought process towards Scripture as you did when you were baptized as a teenager maybe? No, you've seen that already. You don't have to be there very long. If you're in the Word, you see that that 
particular passage that you thought meant this really means this, but it can mean this, this, and this. What if you're not willing to change your mind? Even when you know the truth. Then I'm afraid we would probably end up being lost. It's important to God that you are able to conform to his word. What does Romans say? That don't be, trend, or don't be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and perfect and acceptable with God. And uh, I want to I look at just a little bit before we close here about the attributes that the declared man after God's own heart had. And I want you to think about whether Cornelius had these and Peter had these. There's one more thing I want to mention. I'm getting off script here. Peter was passionate, was he not? He was the first to defend Christ. He pulled the sword out. And Christ said, put that up. That's not what we're about. He denied him. Passionately, he denied him. The scripture tells us he cursed and says, I don't know the man. He was passionate about it. You know what? He was passionate about preaching the gospel. What does the scripture tell us in Revelation about being lukewarm? The scripture says that Christ said, because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I rather that you were hot, and here's the kicker, he even throws this in, or cold. Do you ever wonder why? Why would he rather you not be lukewarm than cold? You know, God can work with people that are driven. He can change the heart of a king who's against him. Have you seen him do that before? Have you read about how he taken the heart of someone who was evil and against him and turn it to where he serves him? Because the man had a purpose and he had drive. If you don't care, what can you do with that? Or if you pr profess something but you really don't want to get involved, what can you do with that? If you're passionate, which I believe we know that Peter was, God can use them for good. Another thing about being a man after God is being able to be humbled. I, I mentioned that David, I thought at one time, must be the perfect man, but he wasn't. He was able to be humbled. He was able to change his mind when he knew he was wrong, and he loved God. I think these are the things here that should inspire us. Not necessarily that the Holy Ghost came upon the Gentiles before they were baptized. Because 
They, it did. That's not the order that we're taught, right? But it was a different time period. And I want to talk to you today about what matters to us. What's going to make it right for me and you with God? And it's, it's the same thing it's always been. It's your heart. You see, that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't get. It wasn't about the rules, although there were a lot. They had made it down to tithing your spices out of your kitchen. But they didn't do what God wanted them to do. And that's what's important for us. In Acts 13 and verse 22, it says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Is that the kicker right there? You know, another interesting thing about Peter in this story, when the Spirit comes and he lets the sheet down, and he says, Peter, arise, kill and eat. He said, no, not so. I have never done that, common or unclean. Not only happened once, the scripture says it happened three times. Peter denied Christ three times. Do you think he's slow to get it? I am. But I think the scripture teaches it doesn't matter if you're slow to get it as long as you get it. As long as you... David was slow to get it. David committed adultery, had the husband killed, did not get found out or forced into admitting until later, much later. There was a baby born. There's at least nine months worth of denial. He didn't get it. It has to somebody else come to him and tell him a story about somebody else to make him emotionally sympathetic towards a poor man to make him understand that the king in his lofty castle is the one that did wrong. And then what happened? He humbled himself. We have to be able to humble ourselves. In Psalms 62 and verse 9, it says, Lowborn men are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance... They are nothing together, only a breath. Does that remind you of dust thou art and dust to dust thou shalt return? Folks, here in this life, we are nothing. And if we can't humble ourselves before God, then we haven't got it. Now, it takes some of us a long time. I'll raise my hand. A long time. But if we never get to the point, it's okay if it takes longer. As long as you get there, well, it's not okay if it takes longer. 
Do it now. It's serious business. But it's the only thing that matters. Lowborn, there's breath. Highborn is a lie. You weigh them in the balance and all there is is breath. In Psalms 18 and verse 3 it says, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. How often do you turn to God? Do you need saving from your enemies? Do you need out of a bind? Do you turn to your best friend? Or do you turn to God? Who's going to help you? People may make you feel better, but they're not going to make you better. God does that. And God's the one that can help you. Psalms 31 and verse 9, Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. David is respectful to his maker. He talks to him about how he is aging, how his grief hurts him, how he is torn asunder. Do you have that kind of a relationship with God? Do you ever talk to God about those things? Do you think Cornelius did? The man who prayed always? Psalm 27 and verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, these are really easy words to read. And it's like Brent talked about this morning, about subjecting. It doesn't matter until you disagree. I can say the Lord is my help and my strength all day long until I'm weak because I can't do anything. And then who's my strength? Do I believe this? And do I turn to him? They did. I believe Peter and Cornelius both did. You know, there was another person that denied Christ. You remember Judas? Who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver? What was the difference? They both denied him. One of them came out still on Christ's side. The other one didn't. The other one went and killed himself. What's the difference? Is it humility? Is it being able to say, I was wrong? Please forgive me. I know where my salvation lies. The most important out of all of these, and we'll close here shortly, is Psalms 18 and verse 1. I love you, O Lord. My strength. You know, tonight, you're not going to go home and have cloven tongues fall on you and your neighbors come over who don't speak English and are going to be able to understand you while you talk. It's not going to happen today. Now, it's very important in the history of church and I, I totally 
don't want to dismiss that. But what's important in all of that, every bit of it, is the heart. The heart. Peter said, when he went to Cornelius, I realized that the vision that God gave me about unclean animals means that there's no respecter of people with God, right? No one is less than anymore. The Jews had been given a commandment in Leviticus to not intermarry with seven different nations of the Canaanites. Why? Well, he tells in that scripture, because they will take your sons, if, you do, if they do that, they're going to take your sons and turn them to other gods. Did that happen? Yep. It did. Why did God tell them that? Because God is the only God. There's not another God. And when people think there are, their souls are lost. They turn away from the only God. It's not because they were another nation. It was because they were another nation that worshipped idols and other gods. But you see what happened? When Peter came to Cornelius and he said, you know, it's really not right that I'm here because you're not a Jew. It's not honorable for me to come in your house, but here I am. But you see, he understood. He understood the vision. He understood that nobody is better than anybody else and that God said, what I have cleansed, don't you dare call common or unclean. Folks, we need to let that speak to us today just like it did then. Nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody. We're not. I'm not. I'm not better than the beggar sitting on the side of the road. Are you? I'm not better or worse than the person sitting on the back pew or the person sitting on the front. And God has made a point to tell us that in other ways. We're told in the scripture that don't come in to the, the fine dressed man, don't bring him to the front and say, Here, because you're rags and put him in the back corner. God's warned us about how we treat people. And Peter was a man after God's heart because he changed his mind when he saw the truth. And he took, I believe, six people with him that were his members or fellow brethren from Joppa as witnesses so they could come back and help people understand that God decided that who we said were unclean are no longer unclean. And they tell the story again. So whoever has the next chapter gets to revisit Acts 10 because it's repeated. Do you see the heart at work in these people? How's your heart tonight? Is it willing to seek God? Always. 
Is it willing to give? Is it willing to love your neighbors yourself? Is, is it willing to seek him above everyone else? That's all he's asked. All since the beginning of time up to now. That's what he's asked of, of us. Is to have a heart like God's. I hope you've enjoyed the study tonight. Um, if there's one here who has never named the name of Christ, confessed him and been baptized, and would like to do that tonight, or if you're struggling with something tonight in your life and you need prayers uh, from your brethren, if there's one of either class, we'd ask you to come as we stand and sing the song selected.